0: Who I trust more than anyone at Birch Gold Group. Text Just News to 989898 right now. Hello, America, and welcome to a new edition of John Solomon Reports, the podcast from Just the News. So glad you're joining us today, and thank you for all the engagement, the readership that you do on our great news site, Just the News. We've got you covered 24 seven. And today we got you covered with two big interviews. Two interviews are gonna really make you think we're gonna be thinking global, gonna be thinking security at home. Joining us today, one of the great conservative voices anywhere in the globe, and of course, the architect of the Brexit movement in Great Britain, Nigel Farage is with us. Oh, we have a lot to talk about. Boris Johnson in a little bit of trouble, maybe a lot of trouble in Great Britain, our conservatives and the general populace tiring of his restrictions on COVID while he partied at night. Sounds like he may. We're going to ask Nigel about that. And also, we're going to give Nigel the American looking glass. He's going to make us look at ourselves and say, how does the rest of the world look at the United States right now on Joe Biden's watch? I want to ask that question. That's going to be a fun one. And then we've got an amazing member of Congress, Austin Scott, here to talk about things. We are closely watching, all of us are closely watching the events in Eastern Europe between Russia and Ukraine, Russia and Kosovo, instability, concern, heartburn, President Biden had a very difficult day yesterday in his press conference. He suggested maybe a minor incursion by Russia wouldn't be all that bad. Today, the Ukraine foreign minister went nuts at that saying that was the wrong signal to say. And Joe Biden, the American president, had to grovel and come out with his White House and say, oh, I didn't mean that. Any incursion, any invasion is bad. Sorry about that. The bad messaging, the bad foreign policy, the FUPAs that continue to occur in the Biden administration and foreign policy are devastating. And we're going to ask Congressman Austin Scott about that. Some very important developments. Eastern Europe is a tinderbox right now. Most of the people I'm talking to, they're split. Some think an invasion is likely. Some think it's unlikely that the saber rattling is really what Putin wants to accomplish. But whatever the case is, none of us, none of us can be comfortable with the scenario we're in. And remember, for four years, despite all the Russia collusion allegations, all the bogus stuff that came out, we didn't have these sort of problems with Russia during the Donald Trump years. I think that that is pretty significantly provable from the, the historical record that we now have. That's pretty, pretty interesting. Now, we got two great interviews. I want to get to those right away. Nigel Farage, Congressman Austin Scott. We're going to get to them in just a second. But before we do... I want to take a 30 second step back on a couple of stories that we had this morning on the website. I think they were really important when it comes to election integrity. First off, Joe Biden and his federalization of election laws. It failed last night, late last night. If you were on Just the News, you saw it in real time because we had several breaking news alerts. First, they failed to pass the legislation, then they failed to pass the filibuster, and yes, Joe Manchin and Kirsten Cinema did what they said they were going to do, they held the line, they rejected the filibuster, and as a result, the federalization of elections that Democrats and Joe Biden wanted to take is dead in the water right now. Now, as we step back from that, that doesn't mean that the challenges in our American society about elections are resolved. I'm going to give you one sign of that. There's a new poll out today from Scott Rasmussen, my good friend, and one of the great pollsters in America, respected by all sides of the political aisle. And here's what it found. More voters, 61%, believe that former President Donald Trump was legitimately elected in 2016 than those that believe President Biden, only 57%, was legitimately elected in 2020. Now, here's the thing about that. 61 and 57 percent, not that much difference. Neither one of them are something I'd go home and be bragging to my family about. 40, 43, 39 to 43 percent of Americans don't believe the last two presidential election results. That has to change for our constitutional republic and our democracy to thrive and get back and create trust. Yes, more people are voting, more people are registering But more people are distrusting the outcome. That can't be good. Even if there were no problems in the elections, which we now know isn't true, we can't have this sentiment. It is corrosive to the long-term stability of this great democracy, the greatest constitutional republic the world has ever created. We can fix this, folks. This is not rocket science. And this debate about election integrity can't end with the killing of this bill yesterday. There still has to be those elements to beat back efforts at cheating and improve ways to make it easier for people to vote without making it easy to cheat. That is the real goal. Easier to vote, hard to cheat. I say it all the time, but it has to be. It has to be continued. The march towards better election integrity has only begun. It's been happenstance. It has not been complete. And all of those Democrats, Republicans, and Independents, they have an obligation to fix those polling numbers. It's not okay that 40% of Americans don't believe the last outcome of the last two elections. We can't function that way long term. We've got to get a grip on that. And I really want to point that out. It's, to me, the most remarkable of a series of polls that we've seen on this issue. We've been talking about that a lot. On the cancer culture front, Greg Piper does a great job for us. We've had him on the show. You know what he does. Hey, he has an incredible story about what I think is the nuclear option of cancer culture for doctors. An unbelievable tale of a doctor in Maine who's been suspended and ordered to go Undergo a neuropsychological evaluation because some of the claims this doctor has made actually match those by mainstream scientists, but Maine doesn't like them and the regulators there are punishing this doctor. The question for you and I is Is this a bridge too far? Read the story, make up your own mind. And finally, we talked about and we covered this in real time all through the weekend. We had breaking news alerts day and night, way into the wee hours of the morning Sunday. The horrible incident at the synagogue in the Dallas area, a man taking hostage, a rabbi and three of his congregation members, demanding that one of the most hideous terrorists in American history, the most famous Al-Qaeda female in American history, a woman named Siddiqui, be freed from prison. That was that man's Goal, his intention. And there are big questions how he got into the country. He has a 20 year red flag on him about extremism in Britain. And somehow, despite those red flags, beside the multiple security concerns about this man, he walks into the airport in New York and gets into this country. Somebody has some explaining to do. Ron Johnson, Chuck Grassley, some of the House members asking that question. But in the meantime, we have another question. There is more than just this man calling for the release of Siddiqui, the woman a lot of people call the Lady Al-Qaeda. There are several mainstream Islamic groups that have been arguing for her release, portraying her as a political prisoner. Now listen, she's convicted of grabbing arms and trying to kill some of our soldiers. Her rhetoric talked about horrific terror attacks on America, I think history shows that this was an extremist properly convicted in in prison. But there are these groups, many of them in America, arguing for her release. And where do they get their support from? Well, according to my good colleague here in Washington, here at Just the News, Nick Balacine, people like members of the squad in Congress. Yep. Congresswoman Tlaib, Congresswoman Omar. They have participated in events and supported groups that are backing the call to get Ifa Siddiqui, Lady Al-Qaeda, released from prison. When you step back and under, how does a guy radicalize, get into a synagogue and do what he does? Well, you have to wind it back to the groups calling for this woman's release and also to the Congress people who give legitimacy to these groups and these arguments. Great story by my colleague Nick Ballacy. Check those out on Just the News. All right, folks. We are going to take a quick commercial break, and when we come back, we're going to start with Nigel Farage, one of the great conservative minds in all of the world, the architect of Brexit. He has a lot to say about Boris Johnson and his tough scandal in Britain, and about our own President Joe Biden and how the world views the greatest democracy, America, right now, the superpower that America is. Does it still have that shining gleam on it? It doesn't sound like it, but we'll ask Nigel Farage. And then Congressman Austin Scott, two great interviews. You're going to learn a lot. Join us in just a second. We'll be right back after this commercial break. Hey, folks, it's John Solomon here. Today, I want to shine a light on AMAC, an organization who's dedicated to America's seniors, but is vital for conservatives of all ages. AMAC stands out House Nutrition and, of course, Field of Greens. All you got to do to take advantage of this offer, visit fieldofgreens.com and use the promo code JUSTNEWS. That's promo code JUSTNEWS at fieldofgreens.com. Don't wait. Go to fieldofgreens.com today. Use the promo code JUSTNEWS for 15% off. All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. Joining me right now, one of the most respected voices in conservatism all across the world, the architect of the Brexit movement in Great Britain, and the only man in British history to win two national elections with two different parties. Joining me right now, Nigel Farage. Nigel, great to have you on. John, a pleasure to be back on with
1: you, it really is.
0: It's an honor. I want to ask you about this. You have so much going on in your country. You've got Boris Johnson and the the COVID scandals. And then you have a member of parliament today who switched parties without going through the process he always deemed to be the correct process, which is let the voters decide you're thinking about the state of politics in Great Britain.
1: Well, you see, Brexit was this amazing moment when the ordinary people, the ordinary men and women of the country rose up. Peacefully against their establishment and said, You're taking us in the wrong direction. We want to turn around by 180 degrees. And okay, we voted for it. They tried to stop it. Keep them again, and the hope was in getting our independence back from Europe, in becoming a self governing nation again, uh, in doing all these things, the hope was that a new kind of politics right. would emerge. Sadly, I regret to say, I had two burning ambitions over twenty-five years. The first was I wanted to get the independence of our nation back, and the second was I wanted to change politics for good. I wanted to change the political culture. Well, I won the first part of the battle. Right. Uh, the second part of the bat- the second part of the battle is still work in progress. <laughs> the last twenty-four hour show is that right? Yeah. Well, it does. I mean, when you get elected. I mean this man got elected, the man we're talking about, a chap called Christian Wakeford, Right, he got elected, he got elected in the north of England, in an old Labour socialist constituency, but a constituency that had voted for Brexit, all right, working class Britain, voting for Brexit, and the Labour Party couldn't accept Brexit, and they voted him in on a Conservative ticket. And because the Conservative Party are now struggling, you know, to try and save his own career, he switched sides to Labour. Well, I can tell you that in the last 30 years of British politics, there have been 23 people who have changed sides, right? And only two of them have put themselves forward to the electorate simultaneously to ask for a vindication of their decision. And I can tell you that both of them were UKIP, both of them, when I led the party, were conservative MPs who switched to UKIP. And I said, guys, if you're gonna join me in the House of Commons as UKIP, I insist you put yourself up before the public. And they both did, and they both won. And, and I, you know, I really hope, John, that in doing this, I'd brought a new standard to public life. Yeah. But uh, as I say, sadly, it's still work in progress.
0: Yeah, that, that, cold, that message that was sent by the populace has still got to seep in a little bit more. Um, Boris Johnson has been the face of that hard lockdown COVID strategy and now the face of do what I say, not what I do. Uh, how big of trouble is he in with his uh, the latest scandal and his sort of hypocrisy on COVID lockdowns?
1: I remember back in 1999, which seems like a long time ago now, Right, uh, my first... The first day that I was elected as a member, a member of the European Parliament, and I was one of the first lessons I was taught by somebody who was much older than me was that lawmakers cannot ever be seen to be lawbreakers. If you're the ones setting the rules by which the rest of the population has to abide, you cannot shirk those rules yourself, Uh, because you know you are responsible of course and this is boris's problem boris's problem boris's personality problem he's a cheerleader not a leader he's very very good you know rather like rather like getting up before a football game and you know waving around and getting the and getting the crowd cheering and making everybody happy and hey we're going to win and it's going to be great he's really good at all of that but when it comes to being a leader he doesn't always lead by example. And he's allowed number 10 Downing Street, you know, our sort of equivalent of the White House. He's allowed that uh, since he's become prime minister to become rather like a university drinking den.
0: <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah.
1: I've been mean, I mean, reports that reports that people had mini fridges under their desks.
0: Unbelievable.
1: And that everyone was. I mean, they, they, they don't misunderstand me. I like a drink. Yep. I like to have a good time. I like to party. Uh, and, you know, I've always, you know, given the, the right opportunity, taken younger people out, and you take them out for, you know, a bite to eat or a drink in the park, whatever. But you don't drink in the office. Because if you drink in the office, it's the beginning of total indiscipline. And sadly, Johnson has overseen a culture where those that were making the rules. Uh, were constantly having get-togethers in direct contravention of what they were telling the rest of the country. And Johnson himself attended some of these events. And when he gets caught, rather than putting his hands up and saying, I'm sorry, I have sinned. Yes. That would be the natural thing to do, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. And also, our human emotion is we forgive sinners. Because that's actually part of what our Christian heritage is. And we all know that we have those sins within us. And if if I'm being honest, John, I mean, most of us break the lockdown rules. Yeah, I think that's probably right. I mean, mean, you know, was I not going to see my mum for two years? I mean, come on. Exactly. You know? Yeah. You, You know? And I think if he said, look, do you know what, guys? We've been working under huge pressure. You know, it was the biggest health crisis to face the country for 100 years. And I admit, on Thursday and Friday nights, we let off steam and had a drink. And we shouldn't have done, and I apologize. But who among you watching or listening to this broadcast, you know, whoever of you is without sin, please cast the first Yes, cast stone. the first stone, right? <laughs> yeah. Instead of that, Boris says, um, it didn't happen. It yeah. didn't happen at all. And then when it proved it did happen, oh, well, yes, it did happen, but I thought it was a work event. Or no one told me it was... He said the other day, no one told me it was against the rules. Well, hang on, matey. It was his rules, right? (laughs) You were setting the rules. Somebody (laughs) missed that line, yeah. so, So what actually happened in the country is millions of people have said... You, know, you told us to behave in, a, in one way, you behaved in another, and the hell with you. Yes. And so he really actually, reputationally, this isn't, just a, this isn't just a short-term upset. This is, I believe, this is a fundamental breakdown of trust. And as such, I think his career is now very time-limited.
0: Yeah, I think a lot of it's going to be very interesting to watch that dynamic. Last question, because I think America's in one of those looking glass moments. Most Western foreign policy has been di- dictated by the last 30, 40 years by the Thatcher Reagan doctrine of peace through strength. Joe Biden has had these problems, whether it's Afghanistan's withdrawal, which shocked the world, or today having to be rebuked by Ukraine because he suggested in his press conference, eh, if the Russians go there, it's just going to be a minor thing. Uh, this, how does the rest of the world look at America under the Joe Biden presidency?
1: Um, I hesitate to answer that question honestly, because I don't want to give offense to your listeners. And I don't want you to think, because I, I mean, I am, I am the most pro-American Brit you'd ever meet. But right. I mean, I'm almost, mid-Atl- almost mid-Atlantic, <laughs> but I'm going to be frank with you. Yep. But I'm going to be, well, yeah, I mean, hey, I was working for American companies 40 years ago. That's so right. My, yeah. My relation, you know, yeah, my relationship with America goes back to the country. But I'm sorry to say that in terms of its presence on the international stage, and what it says, as the leader of the free world being taken seriously, America right now is no better than a bad joke. Wow,
0: that is a powerful statement. There was all this talk he was going to reboot, reboot those relations, uh, but it seems like allies have a little bit of pepsit with this president. They don't know where he's going or whether he even has a plan. Wow. Is, that a is that an honest perspective that you hear from other world leaders?
1: come on, we're exactly a year on from the inauguration, right? Right. right. Re- remember what he said, America's back! Yeah. America's back! And he came to the G7 in the west of England back in June. That's right. And they all applauded him and cheered him. They had him the high fives going, yeah. Yeah, that nasty man from New York's gone. We've now got this great guy. And, I mean, when you think about it, when you really think about it, and all right, you know, I know if we go back 200 years plus, Uh, the UK and America had some difficulties, but let's sort of move on. You know, I mean, (laughs) frankly, 1812 is forgiven, I think. Um, But, you know, frankly, since 1917, since the First World War, basically, the UK and America have been together. They have. Not every, but virtually every conflict. We've been side by side, including Afghanistan, where, by the way, the proportionate, the proportionate spending of money, yep. giving of troops, deaths, and injuries of troops was an exact proportion to it the size was. of our nations. Yeah. All right, we were there side by side with you guys for 20 years. Nobody wanted it to go on forever, but there had to be the right way and the right moment to leave. And for Biden to unilaterally withdraw the biggest force, the American force, without even referring to your closest allies in the world since 1917, and when the British prime minister calls to have an urgent conversation, not to return that phone call for 30 hours, how on earth could we trust America again? How on earth can NATO, frankly, continue to operate? And is it any wonder, given that situation, and given that collapse of leadership in the free world, that Putin is now taunting us from the borders of the Ukraine.
0: Yeah, the, the two events are related as much as uh, we try to, uh, the media here tries to obscure it. We embolden Putin. And I think there's a pipeline also play into that, the Nord Stream pipeline. We kind of propped up his economy too, didn't we? Well, I mean, here's the funny thing.
1: You're working with Trump. Oh, Trump's a Russian puppet. Yes. And um, Blah, blah, blah. Actually, the truth is. It was Mrs. Merkel. It was Mrs. Merkel. It was Germany. It was the European Union. You know, here's Biden threatening sanctions on Russia if they act. Well, if we put sanctions on Russia, the whole of German industry would close down overnight. So we've literally, we've literally outclassed and outplayed by Putin at every twist and turn of this. He holds all the cards. He does. We, frankly, at the moment, we at the moment have very few
0: yeah such a very powerful point nigel i could talk to you all day but i know how busy you are thank you so much for joining us today we're going to get you back on real soon it's a pleasure thank you thank you sir all right folks we're gonna take a quick commercial break we'll be right back after this message folks if you owe back taxes fair warning you're not going to like this the irs is mailing millions of pay up letters millions i say IRS penalty canceling offer. To do so, call 1-800-245-6000. That's 1-800-245-6000 or visit tnusa.com/justnews. That's tnusa.com/justnews. Folks financial experts thought we were in the clear. They were anticipating around 6 rate cuts by the Fed this year and then the inflation data came out All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. As promised, a very special guest, a man who's making a lot of waves in Congress these days. Joining me right now is Congressman Austin Scott from the great state of Georgia. Congressman, welcome to the show.
2: Hey, John. Thanks for having us.
0: It's an honor to have you on. So much is going on in your state. I want to start, I want to go back a little bit to a moment a week ago, because I think it might be one of the defining moments of the Biden presidency. The speech he gave in Atlanta saying, if you don't agree with the way I want to vote, you're all a bunch of racists. What was your take on the president's speech?
2: Well, there's a lot going on in the world, John. I mean, you know, you got Russia and Ukraine. You've right. got Afghanistan. that They've done everything they can to push out of out of the news. And uh, obviously, we still have a lot of men and women over there with families that fought with, uh, and in some cases, the families of people who died with U.S. soldiers. And so he, he's doing anything and everything he can to change the narrative from his failures, both uh, internationally on those issues as well as what's happening at the gas pump and the grocery store with inflation so he comes to Georgia and he he talks about Georgia voting and what what he refuses to acknowledge John is that in every election up to and until this last one Georgia has had about 3.9 million voters right going, going all the way back to the last Obama election and the last governor's election and and uh Trump versus Clinton, we had 3.9 million voters in the state of Georgia. This last election, we had 4.9 million voters.
0: Doesn't sound like suppression to me.
2: No, anything (laughs) but suppression, right? I mean, we've had the largest turnout that we've ever had. We, for the first time ever, uh, a significant, significant percentage of that absentee ballots, mail-in ballots have typically been about 5% of the total vote count. They were about uh, 30% this last year. And barack obama uh John got eighty five to eighty nine thousand somewhere in that range of the of the absentee mail- in right. ballots, and Joe Biden got eight hundred and fifty thousand absentee mail- in ballots and And I absolutely think that that discrepancy that that questions need to be asked, and I think the state legislature and the governor did the right thing in passing a piece of legislation that said, "Hey, wait a minute, there's just something that doesn't look right with these numbers, right. and we need to add some integrity to to the absentee ballot process."
0: Yeah, and listen, it, it's still incredibly easy to vote in uh, Georgia. It's just going to be harder yep. to cheat. That's really the only change that was made. Do you think most voters look at this and say, wait a second, we went up a million voters in Georgia in the last election. We all support uh, voter ID. 80% of Americans say they do. This guy's talking about it being Jim Crow 2.0. Do you think Biden is just missing his mark that everyday Americans are scratching their heads saying he's on the, he should be focused on something else?
2: Yeah they they're they're trying to change the narrative from you know what is happening internationally with with Afghanistan what's happening internationally with with uh Russia and the Ukraine right and and what is happening with gas and 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 fuel prices uh and food prices and and there you know we we have our economy still benefiting from the regulatory changes that President Trump made uh the things that he did with operation warp speed right and you know i mean he he's got a he he's he's had you know 12 months where he's been able to hang on to what president trump did and now you're you're moving past that and he's not going to be able to and so he's got to make up something to cry about and it is it's elections now so the vast majority of people want and and believe that showing an id is reasonable in our democracy just to make sure that the person is who they say they are when they vote. And I I don't understand what their objection is to it.
0: Yeah, uh, I mean, and and African-American voters, they just had a poll come out in Michigan, 79% African-American voters supportive of it. In fact, they were more supportive than the general populace. Uh, You saw uh, Rasmussen had a poll in the summer, same statistics. This is like wildly popular. Jimmy Carter was arguing for it 15 years ago. And for some reason, Joe Biden seems to be, against it. It really is a, a remarkable moment. Now, I want to turn to something that we've been doing a lot here at Just the News, and that is the possibility that there was some illegal harvesting going on in Georgia. The um, Secretary of State says that he's now received credible allegations, which include video footage, a whistleblower allegedly, and some phone records that might show the pattern. Um, do you think that's a good idea to have that investigation? And has there been suspicions about harvesting in the state before this thing surfaced?
2: Yeah, so so I was suspicious when I looked at the total vote count to to move from th- 3.9 million votes uh, again going back over the past decade, all the right. way back through uh, Obama's last election. We we've had 3.9 million voters in the state of Georgia, and then this last election we had 4.9 million voters. That's a significant change to have a a decade pattern of 3.9 million and to move up uh, a full a full million votes over that. So I absolutely think it's reasonable and right, and and if there is the evidence that is there as as it looks like there there's got the good chance to be then people need to go to prison for this yeah one other thing john let me mention this you know david purdue got put into a runoff by a few thousand votes so you think about the difference in the dynamics of the republicans having the u.s senate right now right. if they find that fraud if, if they're able to show that there are uh, votes that should have been tossed out you're talking about the difference in republicans being in control of the u.s senate and democrats being in control of the yeah. u.s senate
0: yeah it's that consequential right it's it's that yeah it it really is remarkable you are part of a growing group it looks like of bipartisan lawmakers in congress that are talking about reforming the electoral act talk a little bit about what you might like to achieve in in such a reform
2: well i i think the main thing we want is open and honest elections and so we we want to make sure that people aren't voting in multiple states. I, I do believe that has happened. In fact, we know it's happened. There's some people that are going to jail for it right now that voted Republican in multiple states, correct? Right. Yep. And so the standard can't be that that one party benefits from election laws and not the other. It needs to, they need to be they need to be fair and they need to be open and they need to be they need to be accountable. And so our goal in any election law is to have the balance with with both access and integrity. And if you don't have the integrity in 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 the vote, then people aren't going to respect the vote. And if you don't have access to the vote, then people aren't going to respect the vote. So so the goal is to find that balance with with both access and integrity. Now now that said, John, I, I, you know, voting constitutionally, that's a state that's a state issue. Right. So we have to be very careful what we do in Congress because I, I take an oath to the Constitution, right, and and we have to have respect for that Constitution. There is there is some advantage in having fifty different types of uh, fifty different states that that handle elections in in different ways, and we can learn from the ones that have have found that that combination of both access and integrity. But ultimately, it pretty much is a state issue. So group of us wants to try to do what we can to make sure people people respect the vote but but we have to respect the constitution and whatever we draft.
0: And in your mind that means letting the legislature still have the authority to set the rules but maybe find a way to make the counting a little more uh trustworthy for people, right? Is that sort of the balancing act?
2: I would say that's right. I mean we we've we've got problems right now. I've had people, you know, sit in my house that I've known in many many years and cry uh, because they no longer trust. Yeah.
0: That's a you know, real dynamic.
2: The ballots. And, and look, I mean, if, if, you, if you look at what's happening around the world, I mean, we, we are the pillar of democracy around the world. And, and we have had more personal freedom. We have had more economic opportunity. And we've had more individual liberties because of being that, that pillar of democracy. And so we have to protect that pillar. And, and we have to protect it at home before we can expand it abroad. And so I would just say that, you know, I wish President Trump were the president right now. Uh, We wouldn't be dealing with uh, Russia and Ukraine the way we are. Uh, What the Democrats did up here in the the whole Russian hoax investigation, the idea that Vladimir Putin wanted Donald Trump to be the president of the United States is absolutely ridiculous. He wanted anybody but Donald Trump to be the president of the United States, and I can can assure you Vladimir Putin wouldn't be looking at moving into the Ukraine right now if Donald Trump were still the president of the United States.
0: Yeah, that is a, and I, I want to turn to that in one second. I just want to wrap up one thing. As you look at the issues that we we see today, it's you know Biden came in with this promise, "I'm going to unite the country," but it seems like fear, division, racial division are the only tactics and tools he's using. Is our Americans starting to sour on that approach pretty quickly?
2: Oh, well, ab- absolutely. If you look at the poll numbers that are yeah. out there today, I mean he he's he's got the lowest poll ratings anybody's ever had. And and it's because he hasn't been able to really accomplish anything as president of the United States. And and look, I'm an American. He's my president. I mean, I need the economy to be good. I need national security to be strong. Um, but if you look at what he did in Afghanistan, if you look at his lack of response to, to Russia and the Ukraine, if you look at what's happening to Americans' pocketbooks, where uh, they may be making a little more, but they're paying a lot more for their basic necessities, yeah. uh, Americans are very frustrated with with where our country is right now, he promised to conduct himself in a bipartisan manner, and he's done anything but that. And and honestly, John, people ought to go back and look at the votes that Donald Trump had on budget-related issues and other things, right. where, where he had about 75% of the people vote for the major pieces of legislation, both yeah. Democrats and Republicans, uh, that he signed into law. Yeah.
0: That's right. There were lots of big deals, whether it was on clean air, clean water, or budgetary things. There were were a lot of things that moved through. This president seems to have no real ability to put a bipartisan coalition together. It's, It's fascinating to watch. I want to turn to Russia. I've seen some amazing things in the last couple of days. For instance, leaks to CNN about specific intercepts of what the Russians were going to do. And I'm asking myself, what purpose is it to leak that uh, if that is real intelligence why would we leak that and let the enemy have any sense of what we know they're doing how do you quarterback is russia just the ultimate boogeyman do democrats always have a a russia thing going on because it's a distraction or are are we on the brink of a crisis and this president doesn't know how to deal with it
2: no i i think this is real yeah. and when the russians pulled their families out of the embassy right in the ukraine that's an indicator to me yes. that that they actually intend to to do something very serious. If you look at Putin's history, uh, again, '08 he invaded Georgia. 14, he invaded Crimea. He historically has done something during the Olympics. The Olympics are right around the corner. And I, I would tell you that the fact that they have removed the families of their embassy personnel is a very telling thing, John, that I hope people are paying attention to.
0: Yeah, it is a really serious issue. And when you look out now, I mean, there's been some efforts to Bennett, you know, to come in and maybe uh, try to mediate. Putin doesn't isn't seem to show any interest in mediating right now. What levers do we have in that in the, this moment to try to keep him from doing something rash? So,
2: so we should we should have already uh, we should have already passed economic sanctions. Yeah. Uh, we we had sanctioned the Nord Stream two pipeline. Right. They the Biden administration removed it. If you look at what they've done with fuel prices in the United States, that has put more money into the hands of people like Vladimir Putin. We we have, I think, at the whole level of government, State Department and in the White House, I think, ignored the fact that Vladimir Putin is Vladimir Putin. And you can't negotiate or, or shake hands with this guy and think that he's going to do what he tells you he's going to do. 08, yep. he invaded Georgia. 14, right. he took Crimea. He hasn't given any of those pieces back and he hasn't paid a price for what he did. Yeah. And so the the one thing I do want to point out to people is, uh, and while I say we can and should do a better job of taking care of the environment, if you allow your energy dependency, if you allow your energy dependency to fall into the hands of your enemy, it makes it very, very hard to achieve it again. Yeah. So. I'm I'm very worried about what happens with Russia and Krum.
0: Yeah. And you're really worried about the beginning of this Biden administration, right? Stopping the Trans Canada Pipeline, approving the Russian pipeline through Europe. Uh, That changed the geopolitical leverage we had on Russia. Isn't that true?
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, look, I mean, uh, what third grader couldn't see that?
0: Yeah. Yep, yep. It's it's it is. It's such a basic thing. And you really are for sanctions. Do you think there's enough sentiment in Congress to approve sanctions? And are you surprised Biden hasn't asked for them yet?
2: I'm surprised that he hasn't already enacted them. I think that they have to be uh, not just the United States. I think that it has to be NATO and ally wide. And we have to make Putin understand that the cost of taking any territory in the Ukraine is more than it's worth to him. Uh, unfortunately nobody has made him pay that price they didn't make him pay it in '08. they didn't make him pay it in 14 and he doesn't think he'll pay it now yeah
0: in fact he got a reboot uh when the obama administration came and he got a lot of goods from hillary clinton and barack obama and they, he just gathered them up and didn't do anything for the united states pretty remarkable congressman it's an honor to have you on this show you always share a lot of wisdom i can't wait to get you back on soon
2: hey thanks john
0: thank you sir have a good day
2: all right you too bye
0: all right folks we're going to take a quick commercial break when we come back we're going to wrap things up for the day All right, folks, that wraps up another edition of John Solomon Reports. Thank you, thank you, thank you for joining us. So blessed to have you. So blessed to enjoy your company, your readership on our site. Now, before you go, I always like to point out some of the great partnerships we have. Why? Because these partnerships make available to you the opportunity to check out services and products that are amazing from people who support our mission at Just the News and John Solomon Reports. And you get a discount, you save money, you get a good deal. That is a good deal, right? I love that, I'm proud of that. And so, I try to share as often as possible whenever one of our partners is offering something special to our Just the News John Solomon Reports family. And today, our good partner that I want to call out and shout out is Annie's Kit Clubs. I love this company, I love its mission, I love its products. We've had them at my house, the Solomon Family House. They have different crafting projects from everybody, from your littlest child to all of us adults looking to do something on our free time, knitting, crocheting, woodworking. Now, they've got a chance. Remember, we're done with the holidays, a new year. We're back to school. We're back to learning. And you're sitting at home. It's the winter months. You're like, what can I do to keep the kids engaged and interested and maybe learning? Well... I'll tell you what, Annie's Kid Clubs has a solution. It's called the Genius Box. I love this name. I want a genius box. I'm never going to be a genius, but I want the genius box anyways. Here's what it is. Each month, you can, when you subscribe to this product, you get your curious kids a new box bursting with three, not one, not two, but three hands-on activities to explore exciting STEM themes. Science and technology, education, you know all this. You can design a hovercraft, examine fossils, build robots, so much more. You know what? I gotta admit, I know these are for kids, but I think I might have some fun. I might cut in on the nieces and nephews on this one. It's so great. This is a brand new, great product. Go check it out at annieskitclub.com. Go to annieskitclub.com slash just news. Check out the genius box. Great thing for the kids, the grandkids, nephews and nieces. Learning that's fun engagement for the whole family, entertaining, something to show when you're done, accomplishment, and you're going to be teaching your child in the process. Great products, great company, Annie's Kit Club. Here's what you do. Use Just News as the code or go to annieskitclub.com slash just news to check out the incredible Genius box, new product. Your kids, your grandkids, your nephews and nieces. Heck, you might even like it. Go check it out today. All right, that wraps up another edition of John Solomon Reports. May God bless you. May God bless this extraordinary country of the United States. Thanks for listening. We'll be back tomorrow with a whole bunch more news and some more great guests. God bless and good night. Folks, financial experts thought we were in the clear. They were anticipating around six rate cuts by the Fed this year, and then the inflation data came out.